Hi, welcome to another PSD cast from Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Alex Paulson. and I've got uh, Ed Kohler. He's Intersil's Strategic Marketing Manager, and uh, we're going to talk about automotive systems. Isn't that right, Ed? Welcome to the show. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me, Alex. Well, I'm really glad to have you on because automotive, as well as everyone in the audience knows, is going through such a it, – it, it's – you could almost call it destructive creation. It's a disruptive renaissance. How would you say it, Ed? I, I mean, I think that sounds, sounds like a good way to put it, a couple of good buzzwords. We're definitely seeing so much new technology being introduced to the car. Uh, it, it's really fascinating to see how fast things are changing. Well, I mean, it's amazing. The, the, one of the first things that pops into my head is – I've been in this industry for 30-some-odd years, and every time automotive comes up in conversation, most engineers slap their foreheads and go, cheesy-creasy, i got to deal with 20-year you know, shelf lives and 10-year development times, and everything's got to be perfect and robust and modular. How do you put all of these new technologies into those kind of parameters for the auto industry? Uh, it's, it's really difficult, I tell you. Uh, I mean, all of those things are still true. Um, you gotta, you got to be able to support the product forever. Um, but you have to take the most cutting-edge products and, and put them into the car now. So, I um, mean, it takes a lot of verification time on, on the, the product side, but a lot of verification and design time on the, the, the module side, but, you know, it's happening. What are some of the challenges uh, that you guys and gals over at Intercell are seeing in your development of these subsystems? Really, it's, it's the, the time-to-market pressure. We're seeing such rapid uh, design developments now. Um, our customers are always pushing to get things faster, 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 and, and get them into the vehicle faster. So just put so much pressure on getting everything done, uh, buttoned up, verified uh, in such a short time. Uh, it, it's really, it's really uh, uh, quite a challenge. I can imagine. I mean, that's turned the entire industry on its ear. It's, it's insane how the progress has gone. I mean, I've, my audience knows I came up through the consumer audio side, uh, also consumer electronics. I worked with the Clifford Alarm people back in the uh, 80s and 90s, uh, Zeb Drury and those people. I mean, there was a lot of pressure in the electronics, but it was all being done by the aftermarket. Now it's all gone internal. That's got to be shifting everybody's paradigm. Oh yeah, I think so. I, I mean, uh, in, in order to support that, you need you need uh, people who've been in the automotive industry a long time and know exactly what's got to be done because there's really no time time for mistakes. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really been a, a transformation. Now, one of the reasons that we brought you on the show, Ed, is you um, guys and gals over at Industrial recently come out with a high-speed quad laser diode driver. Now, and and the first thing is when going back to what we were saying about automotive industry as the norm, laser diodes aren't the thing that pops into mind when I think of an automotive bomb. No, definitely not. I mean, laser diodes obviously is a, a relatively new technology, and you wouldn't traditionally think cutting-edge things are going to be in the vehicle. You don't see that sort of thing. But um, we're seeing with so much emphasis on safety and, and now autonomous driving coming in, there's a lot of need for new technologies, and one of them is, is the laser-based systems. So we're seeing a lot of applications in the vehicle for laser diodes. There you go, because I was going to ask you, I know of two big trends that I can identify off the top of my head, and our audience can probably think of 20 others that I'm not even thinking of, but the two I think of 
is LIDAR for uh, autonomous driving and um, is displays for head up and such like that inside the car? Yeah, yeah, those are two of the big ones. Um, you know, that's an area that Intersil plays in for sure, LIDAR and, and heads-up displays. But we also see um, applications like uh, laser headlights coming in. You'll see that from mm. a few OEMs. Uh, and also gesture recognition. So, you know, if you want to be able to, to uh, sense when someone's hand is getting close to a, a screen or a, 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 a switch, um, there are laser-based systems for that as well. There you go, because, I mean, obviously – there's going to be some competition inside the car at the haptics level. It's either going to be a touch panel or an intelligent surface of some kind. I didn't think about optical scanning for driver uh, hand signals, as it were. Yeah, you see that. I don't know if you'd call it optical. Typically, we're seeing this in kind of the IR domain, um, but, ah, but definitely it. that sort of thing. Right. Now, what are some of the challenges on the uh, application side? Now, you've got these car companies coming to you and asking for this technology. Are they asking for something that no one's asked for before, or you're just being challenged because it's just more of the same because it's more automotive, but it's still the same automotive? Um, I would say, specifically in the laser Space. We, we've been getting asked for this type of product in other systems, not in the automobile, but Intersil has been doing it for 20 years. So it, it's similar, but when you go into the automotive environment, um, the environment is such, so much more rigorous, so much more um, rugged that the products have to be, that that's really the challenge is trying to, to figure out how do we get the same products or similar product technology to be rugged enough to, to, to tolerate the conditions in the vehicle. Uh, and, and you see right. that you know, on all, all aspects of the, the system, not just the components that we make, but we see the same, same issue as with, with many of the other components that they're, they're all having to advance uh, at the same time. Right, right. Well, and, and, and that's the rub, isn't it? Because, again, we were saying these, this is not an industry that's used to thinking like that, and now it's got to think like that, and it's got to deal with these things. And as you pointed out, have, they have to be maintained forever on the back end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, um, a real challenge for especially the guys doing the, the system design um, to be able to find all the components they need. Typically, they're having to talk to the R&D departments of all these places to find out what's coming um, because, you know, they're planning their products out a few years. Uh, and, and oftentimes, you know, the components aren't even available today for those systems just a few years out. Gotcha. Now, in the case of this um, product, is it, a, is it a single device with a wide uh, spectrum of applications? Is it part of a family of devices that address all of the niches? How, do you, how does it manifest in product? Well, this device really specifically targeted at, at projector-type applications, really for the, the heads-up display. So Got it. it's, it's optimized for that. There's a lot of system functionality to be able to, to, to bring to bear on a, on a projector, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and that's, oh, that's been something that they've been chasing for quite a while. I've seen head-up display demos at Society for Information uh, display events since the late 90s. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. It's interesting to see it finally come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, heads-up display has been talked about a long time. Um, I personally, the first time I drove a car with a heads-up display was only about a year and a half ago, um, and I was amazed how well it worked and how um, really – simplifying it was for my driver experience. I was driving in a place I was not familiar with. And just to have all that information taken care of for me without having to look for it, like 
speed signs and directions, things just presented right there. I found it really um, reduced the amount of workload on my you know, mental processes uh, hugely. Uh, so it's really, really cool to see these things really come into the, the market and actually be a reality when you've heard about them you know, for, for a long time. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, I can imagine in an autonomous car, the head-up display would then just give you information and provide you just status and data and the like to essentially keep the occupants entertained while the car is doing its job. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you can think basically the head-up display is just a, another way to, to present the information that's currently on this, you know, LCD in the, in the center of the, the console. Now you can have it basically projected anywhere within the vehicle. Right. Well, as as the military learned decades ago, if not from the beginning of the aircraft almost, that uh, that small number of inches between the dashboard and the bottom edge of the windshield can be the difference in life and death when you're talking about reaction time, and that goes the same for a vehicle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely experienced that when I was driving. It just it, It's surprising how much... Um, more comfortable you feel when you're, when you're not having to, to look all over the vehicle to get the various things that you need. Right. Well, and actually, I see that as the next big thing. I think there's a, there is some pushback against autonomous cars. I think autonomous cars are going to fill a gap that currently is served by um, buses and rental cars and taxis and such. You're going to see a lot of fleet-type autonomous. But I think enhanced self-driving, what you're talking about, is probably going to be the best ticket for consumer acceptance because if people are basically doing nothing but pointing their car in the general direction they want to go and making sure they enter and exit the street at the right time and the car does everything else, that's what they do because then the people can text while they're driving without killing people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely the case. You know, so in this case, and, and actually, um, our uh, July-August uh, issue is on automotive systems, and I, men I mentioned that whole aspect of today's uh, driver is not yesterday's driver. Yesterday's driver wanted a completely different experience out of a car than today's driver. Today's driver is too busy on, um, you know, bubble panic or whatever the heck is <laughs> on their cell phone at the time to even think about driving in a car that nowadays uh, a lot of the younger people can't afford to begin with or it, their investment in commute, not a thing for sport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the driving experience is changing so dramatically. And, and as you say, you got all this information, you know, on your phone. You want to be using that rather than spending your time you know, making sure you don't bump into the guy in front of you. So it, it's definitely different. Uh, and uh, I look forward to it when I'm no longer, uh, you know, devoting my time to, to watching out for the road. Right. Well, and, and I think it'll be more akin to, it, it, it'll be more of a democratization of lifestyle in reality, because if you have a, a, a semi-autonomous vehicle, you let it drive you to work during the week, and then on the weekends when you want to go into the mountains and have a nice time, you can drive your car yourself when you actually have an opportunity to enjoy the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, driving has always been, you know, something that you like to do. It's, it's fun. I used to look forward uh, honestly enough to my commute in the mornings uh, because it just, you know, I enjoyed a little bit of driving. Um, so, you know, taking that away is really not something I want all the time. Just, you know, there's times when it <laughs> would be nice to, to be able to, to go hands off. And, and definitely I see that, you know, the semi-autonomous uh, fulfilling that role. 
Right. Well, yeah, because it depends on where you're commuting. If you're in, if you're in Atlanta, I, something tells me uh, you could probably start selling vans, self-driving vans with bathrooms in them, because the time you're stuck in traffic in, in, in Atlanta, you could, you could go ahead, shower, shave, and get ready for the day before you arrive at work. But then the other side of the coin is if we have autonomous cars, we won't have those traffic jams because the stupidity that causes traffic jams is 90% driver error. Yeah, hey, so that, that means those guys who do prefer driving, their, their experience is going to be even better, right? Because like you said, you know, have right. to stop and go. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the other aspect of it is that a semi-autonomous car would allow the people who just want to commute to commute, and they can then do their hair, read the paper, whatever, and then the people who want to drive can then drive, and the intelligent traffic systems that would have to be in place would then allow both to coexist because the ones who are quote-unquote driving aren't really driving in the sense of the older school drivers, but they're at least enjoying telling the car where to go, as it were. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's really fascinating how how fast these things are, are becoming reality. It's it's I, I'm, I, it's fans, it's very very fascinating. I um, I had a car stereo installation shop in uh, Germany in the mid '90s, and when you think about nowadays, I wouldn't touch a modern car with a ten foot pole unless I had a computer and two engineers next to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't imagine uh, what it'd be like trying to be a home mechanic uh, with with <laughs> this type of vehicle. Oh, and, and, and uh, well, that's exactly. It's, it's we're going to look more and more like the Tesla model, which is essentially uh, an electronic manufacturer's model. You're going to get your uh, warranty upgrades, you know, uploaded via email to your car. And, and, and uh, if it's an electric motor vehicle, it's not like you have to get it taken into oil. And you you know, you're, you're, the, the maintenance on a modern vehicle is going to plummet once we go to more solid state systems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would think so. I mean, that, that's mostly the the issue I've always had with my vehicles. A lot of the, uh, <laughs> the the mechanical systems just seem to to wear out and fail. If you can do a lot of that stuff electronically, uh, I think the lifetime goes way up. There you go. Now, it, I could talk about cars all day, but I did want to talk a little bit more about um, what Intersil's doing. Uh, is there anything else about the product family or about uh, what Intersil's doing inside the vehicle that you'd like to highlight for our audience? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, in addition to all this, um, you know, sort of autonomous driving and improvements in uh, creature comfort, you know, I, I really like the, uh, the heads-up display for that. Um, Intersil does a lot in terms of the, uh, the other big trend in the industry, which is trying to reduce emissions, getting to the electrical vehicles. Um, we, we play a lot in the, the new 48-volt space, um, which is improving kind of the start-stop uh, and, and also reducing the um, sort of uh, power losses in the in the uh, wiring harness, uh, and then also in the electrical vehicle in the battery management space. So we're really focused on the, the areas that, that I think consumers are going to see as well being the, the key uh, drivers for, for buying a car. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, Ed, um, unfortunately it is a podcast and we don't have all day, although like I said, I could talk about cars all damn day. I love the damn thing so much. Um, Matter of fact, there was an old Jaguar ad that said a car is the closest thing that a man can come to creating a living being. I don't necessarily agree to that now that we've got androids around the corner, but once upon a time, that was certainly true. Yeah, I, I could see that, although I'm not familiar with that ad, to be honest. 
<laughs> well, cars have temperaments and personalities. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So, but um, before I let you go, Ed, I always let my guests have the last word in the show. So it could be a little bit more about uh, what Imbecile is doing inside the car, something about the company, or just a tip for our audience. But the uh, floor is yours. Sure. Well, you know, I just like to highlight that Intersilk, you know, for automotive is a, a big, big area that we focus on. Uh, we spend a lot of time working on uh, infotainment systems. We spend a lot of time working on uh, powertrain systems in the battery space. So, um, you know, if you're thinking about designing a, a system that, that you see in the cockpit or in the powertrain, I'll definitely consider Intersilk. Excellent. Well, hey, Ed, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. And we're definitely going to have to bring you back and talk some more about this because it's definitely a moving target, uh, almost pun intended in that case. But, yes, definitely automotive systems are a moving target, and I'd definitely like to get you back on the show. We talk about it some more, okay? Yeah, I'd be happy to come back anytime. Great. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Polt for Power Systems Design. Have a great day.